Welcome to Yale Cancer Center Answers with your hosts, Drs. Francine Foss, Anise Chagpar, and Stephen Gore. Dr. Foss is a professor of medicine in the section of medical oncology at the Yale Cancer Center. Dr. Chagpar is associate professor of surgical oncology and director of the Breast Center at Smilo Cancer Hospital. And Dr. Gore is director of hematological malignancies at Smilo. Yale Cancer Center Answers features weekly conversations about the research, diagnosis, and treatment of cancer. And if you'd like to join the conversation, you can submit questions and comments to canceranswers at yale.edu, or you can leave a voicemail message at 888-234-4YCC. This week, you'll hear a conversation about sarcomas with Dr. Dieter Linskog. Dr. Linskog is Associate Professor of Orthopedics and Rehabilitation at Yale School of Medicine and Clinical Research Program Director for the Sarcoma Program at the Yale Cancer Center. Here's Dr. Stephen Gore. Uh, Dieter, that is like the longest title I have ever seen on anybody that I've interviewed on the show. Wow. Uh, so orthopedics, that means you're a surgeon? Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, so, um, sarcoma, I think a lot of people know about breast cancer and lung cancer and maybe even leukemia, but I think sarcoma is a word that most of us really aren't familiar with. What, what is a sarcoma? So uh, a sarcoma is a cancer that arises from um, connective tissue. Uh, it's actually a rather broad group of tumors uh, which can arise from any number of different tissues. Hmm. Um, bone, fat, muscle, um, and very different from what you think of in a breast cancer where there are only a couple of different types and most of those are treated in a relatively similar fashion. Um, In terms of sarcomas, depending on what type of of tumor tissue it is, will really guide how we deal with them. Hmm. So there are many kinds of sarcomas then? Many kinds. Uh Um, How do people get diagnosed with a sarcoma? Um, Most of the time they present with a mass, uh, a tumor that they can palpate. Um, Oftentimes it's just uh, pain. That's the presenting symptom. Hmm. So so they might feel a a mass in in a limb? Would it usually be in a limb? Uh, Most commonly in the limb. Uh, Mm -hmm. The thigh and the femur are are the most common um, places to develop a sarcoma. Gotcha. So they might have trouble walking, I imagine, or... Not they, really? They could, certainly. Uh-huh. And then they'll tend to present to their primary care doc, or where, where do the referrals come from? Uh, from the primary care doctors, from other orthopedic surgeons. Um, you know, it's not often that uh, people will show up in my office on their own. <laughs> I wouldn't think so. Uh, wow. So, and, and sometimes you say that they're also not in the limbs. Can they be in the abdomen, or...? Um, they can be in the, the abdominal wall and the chest wall uh, at times as well. Um, but it's, you know, they arise from connective tissue. So the, the places so the you have more muscle, fat, um, and other things are, are where you tend to find them. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so what do you need to do to uh, evaluate somebody with a tumor in the, in the limb or... So uh, the most common things that we will do is uh, some imaging um, from as you know, simple as an X-ray to uh, an MRI scan. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, these uh, will usually go on to a biopsy um, to obtain some tissue and, and prove a diagnosis. 
um, as well as to determine, uh, you know, the individual kind of sarcoma uh, to help us figure out how to treat them. So you'll do a limited biopsy first before you plan a definitive treatment? Yes. Oftentimes we will uh, uh, do what we call an image-guided biopsy. Um, we uh, rely on our friends in the radiology department, uh, either with CT scans or ultrasound, um, to to use that imaging to biopsy a particular part of the tumor, which will give us the best idea and the best chance of making a diagnosis. Hmm. So do you do that in the radiology department or in an operating room? Uh, they do that in the radiology department. Uh-huh. Like a needle biopsy or a uh, yes, an, core uh, biopsy or yeah, something? Yeah, core needle biopsy. I see. So it's, it's really not a surgical procedure per se. No, the number of surgical biopsies we do uh, has really decreased. Um, we really only do that these days if the needle biopsy um, is non-diagnostic. And, mm. and the needle biopsies are, are usually good nine times out of ten. Really? So that's interesting because I, I know that um, what I remember about sarcomas, which of course <laughs> isn't terribly much, um, you know, they all, many of them kind of look alike, and you know, I would think you'd need a lot. I would, just would have guessed you need, would need more tissue for the pathologist to, to tell you what to do. No, with the, um, with the stains and some of the, the molecular testing that they can do, even on a needle biopsy, you know, again, nine times out of ten, we get, the, we get an answer, and it's the right one. You know, that's great. It's, it's good to see. <laughs> the good thing about this job is to see the progress since I've been in medical school and even since my oncology training, which, which was a while ago. So, uh, okay, so, so the pathologist tells you that this is a blank kind of sarcoma, and then what happens? Um, then they get treated according to uh, how we fill in the blank. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the good thing is I don't have to remember how to treat every single individual flavor or variety, um, but they, they really get categorized into groups. Okay. Um, so uh, with few variations, you know, most of the soft tissue sarcomas um, or, or the cancers that are arising in connective tissue outside of the bone uh, are essentially um, treated similarly. Um, bone tumors, depending on which variety, uh, can be treated according to a different protocol, um, and that's sort of how it is. I see. And is the... Um, therapy primarily uh, surgical for most of these diseases? Uh, surgery plays an integral role in most of the, most of the diagnoses. Um, in certain instances, there are soft tissue sarcomas, uh, such as a rhabdomyosarcoma in a child. That's a mouthful. I don't have to spell it off, unfortunately. <laughs> what, what does that mean? Uh, that's a uh, malignant tumor of skeletal muscle. Okay. So rab it's the... Uh, pathologic um, derivative from skeletal muscle. Okay. Um, that is very responsive to just chemotherapy and radiation alone. Huh. So uh, we, um, uh, most of the time, that doesn't require a surgery for treatment. Um, in certain instances, there are tumors that, uh, like a Ewing sarcoma, um, we will treat just with chemotherapy and radiation as well if it's in a location where the surgery is not... Um, going to be able to remove all of the tumor without uh, sacrificing something too important. I understand. Uh, I'm assuming that Ewing is not a location in the body, like a rhabdo, whatever a rhabdo is. Ewing is a, is named after the uh, the person who uh, discovered it and named it. Uh -huh. 
Um, it's uh, actually we, we don't know what the normal um, tissue type is, so it's it's a little bit of an oddball. Where does it show up? Uh, it can show up in any. Uh, it can be either. Interestingly, that one can be either a bone sarcoma and occur in the bone or in the soft tissue. And, and that's primarily in kids, right? Primarily in kids, yes. Uh-huh. So you take care of kids and adults. Yeah, correct. Uh-huh. Oh, interesting. So that seems like. Um, I mean, I know pediatric uh, surgery is is often a different field from adult surgery. So you must have had to do a little of both. Um, well, in orth- you know, in orthopedics, we we take care of kids and adults. I guess so. All those football players who break their bones and everything. Yeah. Right? Uh, so, you, you know, we have exposure to that from all of our training. Uh, so we really, uh, you know, take care of the gamut of ages. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I think a lot of things that uh, uh, when people think of bone tumors, if they do, you know, we, we remember, um, you know, one of the Kennedy kids who, mm-hmm. uh, uh, who lost his leg of one of Teddy Kennedy's kids, yep. I think, isn't it right? Yeah. Uh, who uh, you had to have a, a limb resected, and you know we always remember you know the brave pictures of him skiing and all that stuff, which is really fabulous. Is that still the case for bony tumors? Does it usually mean a, a loss of a limb? Uh, it doesn't nowadays. Um, in a you know there still are instances where it is the right answer uh, the first time, but uh, what we call limb salvage or limb sparing surgery, where we can remove the tumor completely and reconstruct the leg, um, is the vast majority of cases nowadays. But ninety five percent of the time, um, we will go with a limb salvage route. Hmm. Well, that sounds a lot more uh, appealing. If uh, obviously if you you have to have your limb resected, you do, but. Uh... I would think there's probably still some rehab involved, though. Is is there not? Oh, absolutely. Kids or? Yeah, I, you know, a good way to to think about uh, an amputation or any of these uh, operations is it's just different ways of reconstructing your limb. Mm-hmm. Um, one you reconstruct it on the inside, and one you reconstruct it on the outside. Yeah, good point. Well, what about uh, what do you do when the kid's growing, like an adolescent who? Uh, you know, whose bony plates haven't fused and everything. Well, that's actually um, about the most challenging problem that we deal with. Um, we have lots of solutions, which means there's no good or perfect one. Um, we have prostheses that you can lengthen. Um, you can actually mechanically, you know, make them grow, so to speak, and get longer. Um, but that is fraught with surgical complications, and there's lots of risks. Hmm. Th- these are prostheses which are implanted? Is that, that what you're talking yes. about? Yes, yep, Me- a mechanical prosthesis, metal prosthesis, um, that you will actually, uh, you know, you can make it expand to try and grow the bone. Inside the bone, wow. But you're saying that's not... Totally prime time yet? Or? Uh, well, it's it's in use, but there are um, there are lots of issues with it currently. Hmm. Um, it's either more operations to lengthen it. Um, they have some, uh, you know, they have a non-invasive mechanically lengthening prosthesis at this point, um, but it, uh, it it certainly doesn't work perfectly and. Uh, there's there's lots of issues. Hmm. So part of your title uh, is re- includes rehabilitation. How do you interface with that phase of a patient's um, treatment? I guess you know after you've done your primary surgery and well, that's uh, our our department includes orthopedics and rehabilitation. Uh-huh. Um, I you know we rely on our partners in physical therapy um, and. Uh, 
uh, you know, to really guide that phase of the uh, of their rehabilitation and their recovery. I, I'm not. You're not integrally directly, involved in, not in, integrally involved in that. Absolutely. Gotcha. But do you ever need to go back and do something differently if their rehabilitation is not going well, or is that's really not part of? No, the certainly. I, um, the the surgeries that we do um, are, are relatively high risk in terms of um, further further operations down the road. Um, sometimes patients, you know, won't be gaining all of the motion in their joint, and we have to take them back to the operating room and um, sometimes mechanically stretch them out and, and those sorts of things. Um, so, you know, the the real rehabilitation and recovery uh, phase of this is uh, involved, um, but you know, the number one goal is always to cure them of the disease. Mm-hmm. Now, does Medical oncology and chemotherapy play any role? You mentioned the rhabdomyosarcoma in kids, which is treated with chemotherapy. But in some of these other diseases, is it primarily your job? Or no, absolutely. There's a there's a team that we work with. You know, really on a day to day basis. Um, with the there's the surgical side. Um, there's the chemotherapy that's uh, managed by our, our medical oncology team and radiation therapy. Some of the sarcomas uh, need all of us, um, surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation. Some need one or two. Um, and as I said, sometimes it's you know just radiation and chemotherapy. Hmm. Um, but um, just for instance, a you know primary bone sarcoma um, is responsive to chemotherapy and requires surgery to remove it, but are not very sensitive to radiation. Um, So that would just be managed with two modalities. Uh, The the general soft tissue sarcoma um, tends to be managed with surgery and radiation treatments. Uh, The radiation in those instances will decrease the risk of it coming back. Um, for most soft tissue sarcomas, we don't have a wonderfully effective chemotherapy, um, so that isn't added to everybody's care. But in, you know, in certain instances, um, in patients who are at uh, especially high risk, certainly that'll be part of it. Well, this is a very fascinating topic and one that I don't know that much about, so I'm really enjoying this discussion. But right now, we're going to take a short break for a medical minute. Please stay tuned to learn more information about sarcomas with Dr. Dieter Linskog. There are over 13 million cancer survivors in the United States and over 100,000 here in Connecticut. Completing treatment for cancer is an exciting milestone, but cancer and its treatment can be a life-changing experience. Following treatment, cancer survivors can face several long-term side effects of cancer, including heart problems, osteoporosis, fertility issues, and an increased risk of second cancers. Resources for cancer survivors are available at federally designated comprehensive cancer centers to keep cancer survivors well and focused on healthy living. The Survivorship Clinic at Yale Cancer Center focuses on providing guidance and direction to empower survivors to take steps to maximize their health, quality of life, and longevity. This has been a Medical Minute, brought to you as a public service by Yale Cancer Center and Smilo Cancer Hospital at Yale New Haven. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to WNPR, Connecticut's public media source for news and ideas. Dieter, uh, before uh, the break, you were uh, telling me about 
uh, kind of the various ways that um, treatment modalities are mixed and matched for the different kinds of uh, sarcomas that you treat, always involving some surgery, it sounds like, but sometimes with radiation, sometimes with chemotherapy. Well, well, most of the time involving surgery. (laughs) Most of the time, right. We want to give you credit where credit is due. Uh, You trained a long time to be able to to do that stuff that you do. Um, Do you ever use, I know in some other cancers that we uh, deal with, uh, we use chemotherapy to shrink the tumor before people get surgery to make it more amenable to surgery. Is that something that's done in your field or not really? Uh, Yes. So for, um, for bone sarcomas, uh, the the general uh, treatment protocol is they will receive some chemotherapy um, preoperatively. Um, they'll have their resection and then uh, receive another um, several rounds or cycles of chemotherapy afterwards. Uh, it's a fairly well-established protocol. Gotcha. And our, our, our treatment approach is very different from children uh, and adults with these diseases. Are the diseases distinct? Um, there is significant overlap, but um, there are there are groupings of the um, groupings of the types of disease by age. Mm-hmm. Um, so most osteosarcomas, most Ewing sarcomas, uh, occur in in kids and teenagers. Osteosarcoma is bone, right? Oh, correct. Osteosarcoma okay. is bone. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas um, in adults, you see more of the soft tissue sarcomas um, and a, a different type of bone sarcoma called a chondrosarcoma. Chondro, if I recall, has something to do with cartilage. Correct. Huh. Interesting. Does that grow out of the cartilage, actually? or? Well, it grows um, within the bone, not necessarily out of the, the cartilage at the joint. I see. But the, the cell that goes awry forms cartilage. Interesting. And does the tumor actually have cartilage as part of it, or? Yeah. So it, it uh, as it's growing, it will differentiate um, into cartilage and and can look like um, either fairly normal appearing cartilage if it's a low grade, what we consider a low grade tumor, um, or you know sometimes doesn't even look like cartilage at all and is hmm. is hard to to identify as cartilage wow. if it's a high grade tumor. Interesting. Um, when you um, went into orthopedics, did you know you were going to end up doing this end of orthopedics? No, not at all. Um, when I was training, I uh, you know was exposed to to oncology. Uh, fortunately, early on, um, was fascinated by it and couldn't convince myself not to do it. It's very different from the rest of orthopedic surgery. Um, you know, a lot of orthopedic surgery deals with relatively healthy people who are injured. It's a lot um, of sports medicine. A lot of sports medicine, fractures, you know, joint replacements. Um, and, and we deal with aspects of disease and illness that a lot of orthopedics does not. Hmm. Yeah, I certainly remember in medical school, it seemed that the people who were attracted to orthopedics tended to be athletic, if not athletes themselves. I, maybe that was just a... Uh, a, a myth, but uh, maybe that's changed over time. I don't know. Uh, it probably hasn't changed that much. <laughs> so, and I guess just to be totally ignorantly generalizing here, uh, you wouldn't expect that population of people necessarily to gravitate to oncology. But um, they they say it's about two percent of orthopedic surgery that's oncology. Um, so it certainly isn't the majority of it, and, and you know there are. Um, 
not an orthopedic oncologist on every street corner. Yeah. So it sounds like you were drawn to it. Yeah. What was it that, that, that pulled you in? Um, I think I was really enjoyed the idea of um, saving lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I liked the intellectual aspect of trying to figure out the diagnoses. Um, you know, when you when you look at an X-ray and you see a broken bone, it's not that hard to figure it out. Um, but there's a lot more diagnostic aspects to orthopedic oncology than than certain other aspects of orthopedics. Hmm. Does one have to do special training for orthopedic oncology? I imagine you must. Yeah, it's uh, an extra year um, beyond regular orthopedic training, specializing mm-hmm. just in in treating orthopedic oncology patients. And do most major uh, surgical centers? have orthopedic oncology? Um, Certainly most of the major cancer centers. um, Not every um, orthopedic, what what you think of as an orthopedic hospital, um, would have one necessarily. Yeah, I remember when I was training at University of Chicago, this was back in the 80s, um, you know, the whole limb-sparing surgery thing was pretty new. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember the guy's name back there, but it was like one of the places to go to get limb-sparing surgery and to be trained in that. And that that seemed like a very particular thing. And I was just wondering how how generalized that's... No, it's still fairly particular. Yeah. Well, that's that's fascinating. And it seems like you really need to... um, you know, have a grasp not only of the surgical procedures, but uh, you know, a lot of emotional pieces. And yeah, I mean, certainly we, you know, we deal with um, a lot more emotional aspects uh, than a lot of orthopedics. Although I guess anything where you might be dealing with amputation, which other orthopedics, pedists, have to deal with, is always fraught with, uh, you know, with a lot of uh, emotional content as well. I suppose. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's fascinating. So do you train um, fellows as well now? Um, uh, we don't have a fellowship program here. Um, you know, our department uh, really focuses on training residents. Mm-hmm. Um, we have um, uh, 20 residents uh, in the program and only a f- couple of specialties with fellowships. Um, so we're we're a training center that really focuses on the on the resident training. So if a resident uh, really takes to this and really, you know, wants you know works with you as a mentee and so on, uh, you, you get them prepped and and send them elsewhere. Yep, they'd and have to happens? go, um, you know, do their fellowship at a at a place that uh, has a specialized fellowship program. Are there many of those? Or no, there's um, probably only about a dozen. Wow. Uh, in the country. Wow, interesting. Now I understand that uh, that Yale is building a new, or I'm not sure building is the right word, but uh, putting together a new uh, rheumatology, orthopedic, muscle something <laughs> the, center. The, the Musculoskeletal Institute, I think, is yeah, still thank you. the uh, the current name. Yeah, and they've just hired somebody new for that. Yes. Yeah, uh, to run it. Yep, uh, Mary O'Connor. Um, who somewhere in the Midwest, uh, Minnesota, um, or someplace? Well, like that? she is uh, trained at uh, the Mayo Clinic. Um, was actually running the the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville. <laughs> I hear Mayo, and I think Minnesota. Yep. No, she had the uh, got the advantage of Florida and the Mayo Clinic. Well, there's more people breaking their legs there from like uh, outside, uh, you know, uh, springtime sports than uh, I guess you don't really ski. I guess they do Nordic skiing in Minnesota, so. Um, so will you be part of that? Will, will, does um, your field 
Get included that, or you really more speak to the cancer side? Uh, we, uh, more speak to the cancer side. So I'll be, um, you know, as they transition to the musculoskeletal institute itself, um, I'll be uh, still doing a majority of my stuff through the Smilo um, entity. So are they actually going to be, will a lot of those activities actually be moving physically? I guess it's going to be at the St. Raphael's campus. Uh, was, that was my understanding. The um, the plan is that they will uh, focus those activities at the St. Raphael's campus. It won't be solely there, um, but that will be the the location where most of the joint replacement and spine surgery, um, orthopedic certainly is done. Um, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of it is happening right now, and those decisions are being made right now. I see, but but you'll you'll be focused in the cancer place. Of course, it makes sense. It's Smilo. Yes. Uh huh. And uh, will people have offices in different places as well? Um, that's the plan. Yeah. So it'll be a, it'll be an interesting challenge to see. You know, nowadays with you know video monitors everywhere, you know, it's just like our whole life is on Skype. It seems. Yeah. Oftentimes. Uh, well, that should should make being in uh, in multiple places easier. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I was uh, actually. Uh, you know. I. My office here at Yale is a couple blocks from the hospital, and I had a telecom this morning. Well, I mean, I had a meeting this morning that it was just not going to work out for me to walk back and forth the two blocks, which just seems kind of silly, but <laughs> it was much easier to do on a teleconference. But, uh, you know, I think with the St. Raphael's thing, uh, it's, it's more so. Yeah. What What is the future, uh, as you see it, uh, future direction of your field? What can we look forward to uh, in sarcoma treatment? Um. I think in in terms of sarcoma treatment, there's really two avenues, um, uh, which hopefully won't be in the far future. Um, one is as the molecular and genetic testing of these tumors gets more advanced, um, you know, I think we'll we'll really have a better idea of the similarities in in the vast. Um, uh, you know, majority of these tumors, which should help us um, be able to come up with better chemotherapies and biologic treatments for what actually has gone wrong. Um, uh, that's on the one hand. I, I think the other hand is um, we're really poised to, um, uh, you know, I think perhaps a little further down the road, um, but really change from um, metallic um, reconstructions to be able to develop biologic reconstructions, you know, where we are able to grow a new bone and put it back into somebody um, rather than having to replace it with a, with a large piece of metal. And what are you going to grow it from? Are you going to mix up some uh, calcium and baking soda? I assume not. Is this stem cell research that you're talking about, basically? Or? Yeah, you know, stem cells in scaffolds um, that will essentially, you know, be able to regenerate large bulk wow. segments. Is that something we can look forward to in real time, or is this still sort of 22nd century? Um, uh, it's probably optimistic to see it in regular practice in my career, but, um, you know, certainly steps get propelled down that road. You know, I have to say that, uh, you know, I've been in this business um, since about 1990, Started. I trained a little before that, and uh, you know we were talking about molecular medicine back then, and uh, you know we were learning sort of oncogene by oncogene, and 
tumor suppressor gene by tumor suppressor gene, and it didn't feel like there was any real progress happening. This is a lot of stuff, a lot of interesting scientific stuff, but I look back now on, uh, you know, 20 something years, and I feel like what we're doing now is, is light years different uh, than what it was. So, you know, it would be very cool if, uh, if the same is true uh, in your field. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And do you think, do you think that with, with this molecular testing and understanding the driving gene mutations and so on, um, will there ever be a time when we have drugs uh, that reduce the tumors and, and, and we don't need surgery? Or is, there's probably always going to be a place for surgery, don't you think? Um, I think in in orthopedic oncology and what I do. I mean, in your, obviously, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, it's unlikely we're going to be able to um, get to the point where the, the damage that these tumors do before they're found is reversible. Um, so I'm pretty comfortable in my job security. <laughs> Dr. Dieter Linskog is Associate Professor of Orthopedics and Rehabilitation at Yale School of Medicine and Clinical Research Program Director for the Sarcoma Program at the Yale Cancer Center. We invite you to share your questions and comments. You can send them to canceranswers at yale.edu, or you can leave a voicemail message at 888-234-4YCC. And as an additional resource, archived programs are available in both audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We'd like to thank the Yale Cancer Center for providing production support for this program. And we'd also like to thank Renee Gaudette, Emily Fenton, and the staff of the Yale Broadcast and Media Center. I'm Bruce Barber, hoping you'll join us again next Sunday evening at 6 for another edition of Yale Cancer Center Answers here on WNPR, Connecticut's public media source for news and ideas.